Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bad Bleeps of the Bible. Before we hop into the story today, where you need to add a little color and a little context. So first of all, this story is a parable. And what's a parable, you may ask? Well, let me tell you. Parables are super simple stories that are used to better teach a lesson or a moral. And usually these are more or less religious principles, uh, since parables are most often associated with Jesus. But there are definitely parables out there that are not religious. For example, we have the tortoise and the hare, uh, the alchemist, which is my favorite book. And The Giving Tree, which is my least favorite book. And these are all examples of parables. Also, if you didn't know about that last part, that The Giving Tree is my least favorite book, hot take, I was an elementary school teacher for a very large chunk of my life, and I would blatantly refuse to use The Giving Tree in my classroom. Literally, it is the most depressing, and I would argue, uninspiring book. But what it is, is a great example of a parable. Whatever, I still don't like it. And if you're thinking, hey, oh, parable, that sounds a lot like a word I remember from geometry or my math class, then you'd be right. Because this word parable also sounds a lot like parabola from geometry, because they're both descended from the same Greek word para, which means alongside, nearby, or right up against. So anyway, Jesus loved a parable. He had many, many parables. But arguably, the one we're telling today is his most famous. That is the parable of the prodigal son. It's the last of three parables from the same chapter of the Bible in Luke. And Luke refers to these three as the parable, T-H-E capital letters, parable. So basically, it is the penultimate parable. It is the best. Let's find out why. Get your coffee, keep driving down the road, or, you know, settle in from wherever you are listening for a story that includes adventure, wealth, poverty, jealous brothers, feasts and famine, pig troughs, and one all-around morally corrupt but eventually exonerated bleep, the prodigal son. The Bible slash Jesus begins its story by saying, a certain man had two sons. Not an exciting hook, if you ask me, so we're going to add a little bit of spice. In a distant land, during the most ancient of times, there lived a father who was well-known throughout the land for his wisdom and for his kindness. And this father had done super well for himself. He built a beautiful little charming cottage on a farm with rolling hills and the most picturesque of locales. He also had two sons— an older, more responsible son, and a younger son who was absolutely consumed by his desire to see and explore the world. So much so that one day the younger son came to his father, demanding his portion of his inheritance early. And with this money, he said he would be able to explore the world and taste the adventure that he absolutely wanted and had been desiring. Surprisingly, the father said, sure, let's do it. And he divided his monties between his two sons. 
The younger son was stoked. He had all the money he needed, and he was ready to set out on his grand adventure. It's interesting that the father didn't protest his son's leaving. Honestly, maybe he knew the outcome of this son's adventures and understood that some lessons are better to be learned rather than just taught. Could be a lesson that Jesus wants to teach us in this parable, I don't know. Regardless, the dad agreed, handed the little nasty, selfish son his money, and said son was off on his way, ready to discover the world that was far beyond his home, the farm, and this simple little life of his. And it's here where, again, we need to reference Wicked and that one short day in the Emerald City, um, because the world was completely ready for this younger son in all its splendidness. And it wasn't long until that son began immersing himself in his newfound city. He bought the nicest of clothes, he ate at the best restaurants, he danced in the nicest clubs, all sorts of things that the Bible in this story calls riotous living. But as the old adage goes, easy come, easy go. Because not long after the son's absolute spending spree, a famine struck the land. Food became more expensive, and the extravagant lifestyle that this younger son had become so accustomed to started to cost more and more. Until one day, the son woke up from obviously one of his benders from the night before and found himself without food, without drink, and worst of all, without cash. He was broke. He was hungry, and now he was destitute. He tried to find work outside of the city in what the Bible calls a certain country. And he ended up working at almost where he started, a farm, where his main job was feeding swine. The pay was absolute crap, though, and didn't even pay enough to fill his belly. The Bible tells us that he filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat because no man gave unto him. He was literally eating the food of the pigs that he was in charge of. In the middle of the pigs, the filth and the literal pig food, our main man, the prodigal son, had an epiphany. He thought of his home. He thought of his father. He thought of his family. He realized in that moment that even the lowest of his father's household, the servants, had an abundance of food while he himself, the son, was eating the food of pigs. He knew what he had to do. He had to go back to his family. The text tells us that he states, I will arise and go unto my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So, To himself, he agreed that he had done something wrong. He lived riotously, but he would go back and beg forgiveness of his father, taking the form of a servant. He made the long journey home, I'm sure practicing this apology over and over again in his head, searching for those right words. But what we find is that he had nothing to worry about after all. His father was waiting for him all along. And in a very beautiful and and sweet moment, we find that as he started heading home, his father, who had been keeping 
watch day and night, waiting for the moment he would see his son again, saw his son. So imagine the moment when he saw him even from the distance. You can picture the father hoisting up his skirts and running to his long-lost son, smothering him with hugs and with kisses. Our story doesn't end there, though. So absolutely bursting with joy, the father ordered his servants to bring the finest robe for his son, placed a ring on his finger, and placed shoes on his feet. And if you're thinking, wow, those are some random things. I mean, he definitely needs clothes and he needs a robe and feet and things, but that ring, they actually weren't random at all. So upon returning home, the son is meant to be welcomed from his worldly wanderings. And these all have different representations of that welcome. So the robe is supposed to represent the robe of favor. You can call it the robe of many colors, like Joseph and the amazing Tacticolor Dreamcoats robe. It's a way to show the father's favor and welcoming his son back home. The ring is the sign of a covenant between father and son, that the father would be both a partner to his son and a protector of his son. And finally, the shoes that were given to the son were to represent that this son's wandering was over. And now he has some boots that were truly made for walking. And the welcome home party didn't end there. The father actually killed what's called the fatted calf, which, if you're not familiar with this biblical term, the fatted calf is a calf or a baby cow that they would eat, sorry, vegetarians, that was set aside for special occasions. And not only that, it was set aside, sure, but this fatted calf didn't graze in the fields like other lowly cows, no. They were fed in their own personal stall only on a special diet that would fatten them up. So that special diet, in addition to not having any sort of exercise because they would stay in this stall, would get them nice, thick, and juicy. And that is the calf that the youngest son's dad prepared for his son who had finally come home. He ordered this fatted calf and a great grand feast where everyone could celebrate the homecoming of this youngest son. But not quite everyone. There was one very jealous and very annoyed brother. Said brother was out in the fields working when he heard a commotion. He heard music and he heard dancing. He grabbed a busy servant and asked, yo, what is happening? Why is there music? Why is there a light show? What, wh- why does it look like there's a feast? And the servant replied, saying that his younger brother had returned and his father had prepared this grand celebration. And older brother was P.O.'d. He was ticked off. And honestly, maybe rightfully so. So much so that this brother refused to even enter the party. And when his father heard about this, he came out to see why the older brother didn't come in. And the older brother, who I'm sure has been holding in all of these emotions for a very long time, in a absolute furious diatribe, yells at his dad saying, Lo, these many years I served thee. I didn't do anything wrong. I never transgressed. I did everything you asked of me. And yet all these years, you never even gave me a goat that I could prepare and eat with my friends. But as soon as this, your youngest son has come, a son which wasted your inheritance on harlots, fast living, and hot messery, you kill the fatted calf and throw a party. Again, I ask, is he wrong? 
find me the lie. I don't see it. I don't know if the father saw it either because he replies to him saying, son, you have been with me forever. It's very true. And you're inheriting everything when I go. But we have to celebrate because your brother who was dead is alive again. What was lost is now found. This speech seemed to have a wonderful pacifying effect on the oldest son. And he went into the feast. And we find that the entire family came together to celebrate the younger son's return. And that's it. That's the story of the prodigal son in all its parabolic entirety. So if you ever hear it referenced, that is the story. You now know it. And honestly, you can glean whatever lesson you'd like to glean from this. Maybe it's don't spend all your money in one place. Maybe it's don't be afraid to live a little. Or maybe, like the father of both of these sons did, maybe the lesson is to never stop loving your children, regardless of phases, of obedience, of disobedience, of high times and low times. Continue to show, continue to share, and continue to spread your love. Honestly, that's my personal favorite. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Please feel free to get in touch with me. Maybe share what moral you would like to uh, glean from the prodigal son. And you can do so at badloopsofthebible at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok, where we do little short one-minute kind of blurps about the episode. Uh, You can find us there at badbleepsofthebible. And please, 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 please continue to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. That's it. And as always, watch out for younger sons on spending sprees. (laughs) Bye.